Thanks for listening to Adopted Believers Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Nelson, and today in our study of Isaiah 40, 12 through 17, we are going to see God's providence over problems. So today's readings are coming from the ESV, so I encourage you to follow along as we read. And I am going to read the passage today since it's fairly short. So let's read. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, and marked off the heavens with a span, and closed the dust of the earth in a measure, and weighed the mountains in scales, and the hills in a balance? Who's measured the Spirit of the Lord, or what man shows him counsel? Whom did he consult, and who made him understand? Who taught him the path of justice, and taught him knowledge, and showed him the way of understanding? Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket, and are accounted as the dust on the scales. Behold, he takes up the coastlands like fine dust. Lebanon would not suffice for fuel, nor are its beasts enough for a burnt offering. All the nations are as nothing before him. They are accounted by him as less than nothing and emptiness. So today, we're, we're going to be seeing providence in multiple ways. And really, in this chapter, God is trying to beat the point home to his people that he is in control, even as they're in rough circumstances. We've really shifted our focus um, from before the exile to during the exile. So, first, let's see providence over creation. So, why is creation so important? As we're going to study through, especially Isaiah 40, we're going to see a lot of talk about God as creator. So, why is this so important? Creation humbles us. That is one important reason. We had a beginning, and we're not the master of our lives. You know, if we're just the product of chance. If, you know, the uni- the Big Bang happened, you know, if there's a big explosion and we're just particles with no meaning, then, you know, we're survivors, you know, let's take pride in that. But no, if we're created by a God who says, I formed you from the womb, if that is the God we worship, then we don't take pride in that. We say, thank you, Lord for creating us, and that's what God wants us to do. Creation also points us upward to God. You know, we were just talking about, thank you, God. That's what he wants us to do. He wants us to realize that we did not create ourselves. Rather, we are accountable to God because he made us. He gives us meaning. Creation also reminds us of God's continued care over us. You you know, we see throughout Scripture that Jesus, he sustains the world by the word of his power. We see throughout scripture the Father's role in creation and the Holy Spirit's role in creation. We're being reminded of God's not only making the world, but also sustaining the world. We also see incredible power on display. Over the summer, I took a college introduction to physics class. While I wouldn't have called it the most fun time of my life, it was incredible to me to see how much detail God has put into the world. You know, in physics, we really know a very small fraction of it. And if you're talking about my knowledge of physics, yeah, it's it's really, really small. I've been learning about some really small numbers in physics, and that would probably be the percentage of what I know about physics. I mean, it's really incredible how little... 
even the most brilliant physics professors know. But it's just crazy how much complexity is in the world. And like, honestly, if you just picked up a college textbook, you know, it's probably going to be confusing to you. I mean, I know it's confusing to me. And that just goes to show you how incredibly complex the world is. And it goes to show us this incredible power of God. This text, Isaiah 40, 12-17, was written to a people in exile. And as they look around and see the powerful Babylonians, God wanted them to stop and look at creation. God wanted his people to see true power. And remember that this true power was on their side. We really need to go back to this text. Who's measured the waters? Who's marked off the heavens? Who's enclosed the dust of the earth? Who's weighed the mountains in scales? That's crazy. You know, in physics class, we measure tiny things. God measures mountains. That's crazy. So, really, we need to learn from this by spending time in creation. We live in a world that loves air conditioning. But so often, it's helpful to simply take a walk outside and explore God's world. As you go outside, meditate on verse 12. We just looked at that. We want to see the incredible power of God and understand, seek to understand it, seek to experience it. And next, that leads us to problems pale before God. Nations are a drop in the bucket. That's what we see in this passage. Judah's big problem would have been the Babylonians, who took them into exile for what would turn out to be 70 years. And by all human accounts, this is a big problem. However, what Isaiah says is that compared to God, even the most glorious nations in the world, like Babylon, it's a drop in the bucket. That's crazy. That is crazy talk. And Isaiah probably would have gotten some crazy eyes like, uh, Isaiah, what are you talking about? These Babylonians, you know, shh, don't let them hear you say that. They're going to beat you up, you know. But Isaiah isn't afraid to say that. And we as Christians, we can't be afraid to talk about the power of our God. And this leads us to God's holiness. What God really wants his people to do is to turn their eyes off of Babylon and onto him. Notice how he talks about Lebanon. So Lebanon is famous in the Bible for having huge and beautiful cedar trees. And God says that all the forests of Lebanon and the animals therein wouldn't be enough to make an offering to him. That's crazy. You know, if I, like you look at King Solomon, he got a ton of cedars of Lebanon and that would have been a really awesome thing, you know. But God's saying, all the trees in Lebanon, and then all the animals that are in it, that's not going to be enough to please him. That might sound weird, since in Leviticus, we see offerings on a small scale, and that pleases God. But we need to realize that God is not a God that wants to be appeased. God is only for his people because of his covenant love of them. They are only justified in his sight through faith. Not even the whole forest of Lebanon could atone for their sins. Rather, the coming Messiah could, which is what their sacrifices point to. So rather than being distracted by Babylon, Judah needed to turn their focus to the Most Holy and rejoice in him. Finally, we see God working out his plan. We've seen that providence over creation 
and we've seen how our problems pale before God. Finally, let's see God working out his plan. No one can compromise can comprehend the mind of the Lord. So the Hebrew word, now please don't quote me on this, ruach. I hope that's right. I'm not a Hebrew major, okay? If you are, don't judge me. But it's translated as the spirit. It's in my estimation and the estimation of a few other translations, a little bit closer to mind. So why do I make a big deal out of this? Because Paul cites this passage in Romans 11.34. So rather than try and break this text down myself, let's let Paul do that. So here's what he says. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Or who has given a gift that he might be repaid? And what Paul's doing is he's citing this passage. So I think that it's what Paul is doing here is he's pointing to this. He's saying we can't always understand God's plan. Judah, since they were in trying times, likely they wanted to know God's plan. They're like, oh, God, come on, let me see your plan. You know, one time, um, me and my mom, uh, my dad was out. He was doing some catering event. Um, and so my mom was helping coach my brother's soccer team. And this guy comes over. Now, he was not the nicest guy. But he's like, why is my daughter at midfield and not defense or whatever? And he's like, I want to know the plan. And why does he want to know the plan? Because he's confused. He's like, what's going on? You know, now, obviously, we knew soccer better than he did because, you know, soccer parents are not the greatest at actually knowing soccer strategy. And as a referee, I have plenty of experience in that. But what he wants to know is, like, what's going on? You know, he's confused because he doesn't know, but he wants to know. And in the same way, Judah wants to know God's mind. They're saying, what's going on, God? But what Paul is saying and what Isaiah is saying is, who's been God's counselor? Who has known the mind of the Lord? Um, I think the, the Net Bible translation quotes this. Also, that's the translation that they use as well. Um, and it really, we're looking at the mind of the Lord and realizing that we can't comprehend it. You know, it is too much for our finite minds. Um, yeah, the Net Bible does that, New English Translation. Um, and it goes to show us that God's knowledge is outside of our grasp. You know, he's shown us parts of himself in the Bible. He's shown us what we need for salvation. But we also need to realize that that's the tip of the iceberg, you know? We don't always need to understand God's plan. What Isaiah is trying to say is that God's plan can be hard to grasp. But he knows what he's doing. Trust him in your pain. So in conclusion, God's providence is over problems. And it's shown in creation and his wise unfolding plan. And it makes problems pale before him. Thanks for listening to another episode of Adopted Believers Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Check us out at our website, AdoptedBelievers.com, for episodes and other resources. And like us at Facebook at Adopted Believers.